Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. So, Scott, uh, I, I hope you haven't looked into your retirement account today. The stock market is just down, down, down it goes. Down it goes. Yeah, so... I think before this market meltdown, when I was mm -hmm. rich, I used to be quirky, and then I got rich, and then I was just <laughs> fucking fascinating. People started laughing at my <laughs> You're jokes. You're quirky again. People found me kind of, you know, handsome in a weird way. Now yeah. I'm just a quirky old man uh, yeah. again. So here I am back again. Back quirky. again. Quirky. Quirky. Yeah. I wouldn't say quirky would be the, the adjective I'd use for you. No. Honestly. No. Spry. Odd. Tons Odd. of fun. Uh, so delicioso. I just want to say, Scott, yeah. Yeah. you didn't come home the other night, and I'm not going to go into it. I was there. Well, our first waiting. story is on Grinder, isn't it? Yes, it is, and we're going to get to go. that. But today, also, we're going to talk didn't about come home. You go to bed at like 7 p.m. No, I, I do was not. Doing something it pretty was like, lame. Oh I was All speaking. Right. I was actually speaking at a conference. Anyways, were you sure speaking? Yeah. Speaking. speaking at a conference, and his Quote. name is Lamar. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about Peter Thiel wants to take down BlackRock. Elon Musk might want to renegotiate that Twitter price as Tesla hits a roadblock in China. Also, we'll take a listener question about TikTok. All right, but first, this is an area that you wanted to talk about. Grinder mm -hmm. wants to meet up in SPAC Alley. Uh, that is mm -hmm. a thing written by Evan, and I'm horrified by it completely. The dating app will merge with Tiga Acquisition Corp in the, with a valuation of more than $2 billion. But that's not the only thing. It turns out Grindr's user location data was available for purchase until two years ago. No surprise. And meanwhile, the Match Group, which owns Tinder, and also OkCupid, is suing Google over dominance in Android payments. Match says it is, quote, hostage to Google's payments policy, which can mean 30% cut uh, in, the, in the Google Play Store. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you think of this? What do you think of these things? You have thoughts on dating, from what I understand. Well, I think that... Well, you know, a key or a, a key thing to remember in strategies is specific crowns out the general, and it just seems obvious mm -hmm. now that Grinder would focus on a cohort, uh, right? It just, mm -hmm. and they've done a great job. Um, I love how kind of nakedly profane they are, quite frankly, even in the name. Yeah, I actually have yeah. the Subway app and the Grinder app, so I either have mm -hmm. a foot long sub coming over or something <laughs> entirely different, Kara. <laughs> something entirely different. Okay. <laughs> Can we talk for a moment? All right, that's moment? enough. I want you to. I want an actual business insight oh, here, sorry. rather okay. than a Look, series of. Okay, butt so jokes, I have I have a few observations around Grinder. Other than online okay. dating is a great business and match. Uh, yeah, it's a great business. I see has kind of dominated it. And if mm -hmm. you look at how people are meeting, they're increasingly meeting mm -hmm. online. Pre-pandemic, it was something like a third of relationships. There's some estimates that it's now over half. I don't mm -hmm. know that it'll go mm -hmm. back. But what people don't talk about is there are massive second-order effects from online dating. And that is it takes mm -hmm. out, as a criteria, it takes out vibe. It takes out things yeah. like smell with pheromones, which supposedly are a big deal in, in terms, okay. of, terms of our mating preferences. Mm -hmm. And it also creates something that is a big issue that we don't talk about, and that is we talk a lot about income inequality in our nation, but we don't talk about mating inequality. Oh, and that is right. if you have 50 men on Tinder and 50 mm -hmm. women – Mm -hmm. uh, 46 of the women will demonstrate all of their interests across just four men. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly based on their ability to signal their ability to garner resources, not necessarily how many resources they have at, the, at that moment. But if mm -hmm. you're coming out of MIT and have a job offer from J.P. Morgan, you do really well on Tinder. 
And then for women, it's basically just looks. And so what you end up with is this, right, this crazy— this is a straight world. Grinder happens to be gay, but go ahead. Keep going. But I, in sum, when you have digitization of any sector, it becomes a winner-take-most environment. 50% yeah. of e-commerce to Amazon, two-thirds of mm -hmm. social to Facebook. Right. And it's happening in mating. And the existential of the second-order effect here— is the top 10% of attractiveness for men are getting all of the 80% of the opportunities, which doesn't encourage long-term relationships. And the bottom 50% of men are totally shut out of the market. And it's leading to an environment where a large cohort of, of young men in America uh, essentially have no mating opportunities and are creating this underclass in mating. And it's, it, I think it is a real threat in terms of instability of a society because the most unstable societies in the world produce too, too much of one cohort specifically. Uh, possibly. Uh, may, may I make another ahead. observation? I know yes. a ton of amazing straight women. This is in the straight yep. women area yep. um, who are single, who are wonderful, yep. uh, who cannot find date. Uh, and have a difficult time meeting people. So they're, uh, it, these men are picky, and they actually have no, a lot of choices. I think it's choices. the other way around. The data shows that it's the women, and, and, and they have every right to be. But here's the bottom line. In the next five years, mm -hmm. there's going to be two female college graduates for every male college graduate. Mm -hmm. And women mate socioeconomically horizontally and up. Men mate horizontally and down. Women aren't interested in mating. A college graduate woman isn't interested in mating with a guy who didn't go to college. So your friends... I agree. I know a lot of the same women who haven't found mm -hmm. the mate. Quite frankly, they can't find a mate that meets their criteria because there are fewer and fewer economically viable men in this country because young men are failing for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. But essentially, we have too many men who aren't economically or emotionally viable. We are we are producing a huge cohort of men who, quite frankly, uh, uh, just aren't viable mates. Mm -hmm. They aren't going to college. They're immature. They're spending too much time watching porn and playing video games. They're not developing social skills. So this and is— And so you blame the match group on this or, or online uh, dating. Oh, gosh. There are so many—I think a lot about this. There are so mm -hmm. many factors, starting from the fact mm -hmm. that two-thirds to 90 percent of primary school and high school teachers are, are women. So who do they champion? Men, young men, we don't talk about this because we don't feel sorry for them. Four times as likely to kill themselves, nine times yeah, as likely no, to get no, incarcerated. I, I'm aware of this, raising sons. I, I noticed that. I, I observed a class where the boys were always caught. The girls were, were more clever when they were misbehaving. But you have, you're going to have two female college grads for every one male college grads. And the bottom line is women aren't interested, women, college grads aren't interested in mating All right. men who didn't We're getting college. away from this SPAC, I'm which sorry, is, is this a good thing? I see your, I, I see your point. I think it's this is a really big issue that we're not talking about. And you know okay. who resonates when I talk about who? it? You know who calls me and says, mm -hmm. first off, women get upset because they, they think I'm somehow saying they have an obligation to service men. I'm not saying that yes. at all. Yep. No one has an obligation to service anybody. Mm -hmm. Men get insulted because I'm calling a group of, of men basically incels. Yeah. But you know yeah, who, you who totally this resonates with and I hear from? Who? Mothers. My daughters at Penn. My mm -hmm. other daughters it, mm -hmm. it moved into Chicago and my son's in the basement vaping and playing video games. <laughs> well, I have... Of two very attractive sons who are, would make excellent dates and have 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 not had trouble, but you know, I'm just saying there's a lot more availability out there. I just think people get on these websites and uh, it, the way people meet has changed rather significantly. I think that's what it is: is they don't know how to meet each other, and and these online dating services, Grinder is transactional for the most part. 
from what I can understand, people who use it. There's also rough. There's a whole bunch of them um, yeah. in that in in the gay space, and so they're transactional, is what they are, which is sex. Um, and I think Tinder and others have been too transactional. Um, I, I think people see dating as transactional, which maybe it has been forever, but it's it's sort of laid bare when you're on any of these groups. And so that's what that's the issue I see is that they, people don't know how to meet each other in normal ways. But when um, teen when high schoolers when mm-hmm. high schoolers the number of high school kids mm-hmm. uh, who see their friends every day has been cut in half. When yes, you have that, a pandemic, yes, that, I yep. mean, if, if the government, and I was turned to government, maybe I shouldn't, mm-hmm. but if you wanted to make, you know how we have, we make parks and everything. We need social and civic groups and volunteering opportunities. Yes. And I would say s- social service that forces young men and women or men and men or women and women to meet each other in person yeah. and to spend we time have together. Dances. We should have a business where you uh, what, have dances. Men and women need to get together and fall Country in love. Country line dancing. And there's not enough of that. And they go to these apps and the apps Square create, like dancing. you said, a certain transactional, bigger, yeah. better deal mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the most, the majority of the people I know, and again, I'm, I'm sounding like a boomer here, mm-hmm. when they spend a lot of time on apps, they find it kind of depressing. It is depressing. It's like watching uh, watching Instagram or, or or on Twitter. It is. I think it has a lot to do with how they meet each other. And I would agree. They the other issue is I was I was I'm spending a lot of time not looking at my phone lately, which is interesting, mm-hmm. and looking at other people, looking at their phones. And I was at we went out. Amanda's birthday was uh, yesterday, and so we took her took her out to dinner for some oysters and stuff like that down at the wharf in uh, in D.C. and all the couples were on their phones and not talking to. It was fascinating. It was really fascinating to watch. I'm spending. I see that a lot where couples are together and not interacting in any way. And I know that's kind of like, oh, pick your head up from your phone. But there's something happening not just with the transactional nature of these apps, but also the way people are having relationships. Their best relationships are with their phone. Well, I I noticed the same thing, but I noticed that if I'm out to dinner and I see a group of young women out. They're totally comfortable, like five or six of them. They're totally comfortable with all five or six of them just on their phones, not talking to each other. I'm not oh, talking about uh, yeah. two people Everybody. checking their email. I'm talking yeah, about an entire, it's like, why yeah. did you even go out together? Yes, I agree. And I'm trying to do the we same thing. We must remove the phones from people. Yeah, I'm people. trying to, in meals, turn my phone off because I, I have the same addiction to just turn it on and see, you know. Yeah. People love yeah. me uh, on Twitter. <laughs> they or do. Not love well, me. we're going to have to move on from this. But one of the, here's another thing. We're going to, another thing. Democrats are in control of the FTC. The confirmation of Alvaro Bedoya. Democrats now have a majority at the agency. That should give Lena Khan, who is the head of the FTC, more room for aggressive action. Let's see. Is she going to do anything, Scott? I don't know. She's got, you know, she got that bad review from internally. Um, now they, she's got an ability to do something, but what can she do? What can she? Take out uh, the Amazon MGM merger, deal with the uh, Microsoft Activision merger, these privacy lawsuits, these algorithm lawsuits. What do you, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's The clock is ticking. So what do you think? Uh, I think it's a good thing. I think that it's become so partisan that she probably had roadblocks uh, mm-hmm. put up, you know, every which way. And, and you pointed that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but the SEC, and we predicted this, and it was pretty obvious, is in fact mm-hmm. going after Elon Musk for his failure to disclose his his ownership stake. Oh, did they? And do also, that, the FTC they? is involved. But here's the bottom line in terms of the mm-hmm. FTC: I think it's yeah. reputationally, uh, mm-hmm. psychologically, from a morale standpoint, I don't think things really get better for the FTC until mm-hmm. they shoot the generals. Until they go after one of the big tech guys and say, you need to spin Instagram or Google, you need to break up your buyer and seller and control the market. 
mm-hmm. in digital marketing. I look, I, I would have all hands on deck. I I mean, I, I just thought it was so kind of ridiculous. They announced a case they're taking legal action to block Sony's acquisition of some video game. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. who you're being heavy handed with? And by the yeah. way, that might be that might be the right suit, but I feel like they've mm-hmm. just sort of said, thrown up their arms and said, We're outgunned with the big guys. We give up. Yeah. And yep. I just don't think they're taken seriously until they say, we're the sheriff. The law is clear. I'm sorry, Facebook. You need to unwind Instagram or Google. You can't be the buyer, the seller, and and the lemonade stand and control the market. Yeah. In I'm this. not sure why the FTC is involved in this as the Musk thing. They should stay yeah, in their lane that in that either. regard. Uh, you know, they really have, they can't be too, all, they've got to pick one big case and go for it. You know what I mean? Exactly and I think right. It probably has to be around and Amazon. And win it. And win it. And it's hard enough to win it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But she, she's got to really, she's got to, the t- clock has been ticking. Now it's really ticking. It's super loud. Um, by the way, speaking of the market being off, things aren't looking good for the world of cryptocurrencies. Boy, oh my Coinbase's gosh. stock dropped this week after reported poor earnings in the first quarter and stable coin called Terra collapsed overnight this week. It's causing ripple effects throughout the market, maybe dragging down the price of Bitcoin, which is at its lowest What's happening here? People don't want risky investments. That's what I seem to have read into it. Yeah, but the thing that the because you had talked about having a basket of things. Well, no, what, what I mean is, if you're going to go into speculative assets like crypto, you want a basket and you want to mm-hmm. limit the percentage of wealth you just put in it. Because I, yeah. I don't own a single coin, and I don't want to poo-poo it because everyone's talking about how Bitcoin is is down fifty percent. But the bottom line is, if you were in if you bought Bitcoin five years ago, you're still up 13x. So, yeah. you know, now now Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think outside. Yeah, you are. You're up 13x. That's exactly right. If you're uh, if you're not investing in Bitcoin or Ethereum, I think it's literally just lottery and Keno. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't see the value or the utility in any of these things. What is interesting about crypto is that in a down market where people are getting mm-hmm. margin calls and risk off environment. The thing that eventually supports an Apple or a Facebook or a Procter & Gamble or what have you is that they'll look at their earnings and say, okay, at some point when it's trading at five times earnings, it's so cheap that yeah, you, you can go buy. in and realize you won't get that badly mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah. There's no – the thing that, that gave it yeah. no gravity in terms of its ascent up with crypto because that has no underlying cash flows. You could argue, okay, maybe it's a store of value, but there's no real kind of tangible or intrinsic value or asset there. Which is scarcity. Scarcity. Right, which meant it could go with Bitcoin, only with Bitcoin. And there's some technology around Ethereum around minting NFTs. But that same lack of benchmarks or ability to value it in any tangible fundamental way gave it no tether to the earth. It had zero gravity. So when people were feeling optimistic and there was more buyers and sellers, people could say, oh, yeah. It makes sense that it's gone up 13x in the last two years, and I could still buy. Now that it's going down, it has no floor because there's there's no earnings to look at. So you could see it's the tail of the whip. On the way up, it goes up more than the market, and on the way down, it goes down more than the market. And you want to talk about uh, regulatory bodies. I'll tell you who pulled a gangster move. You want to talk about the most powerful words uttered in the last in the last five days. It was from Gary Gensler, the commissioner of the SEC or the chairman mm-hmm. of the SEC, who said, by the way, if Coinbase or one of these exchanges goes bankrupt, your assets aren't protected. Yeah. And then Coinbase had to confirm that, which means mm-hmm. that if Wells Fargo goes out of business, your life savings are still safe. Those assets mm-hmm. are sequestered from the operations of the bank. 
That is not true with Coinbase, and that sent mm-hmm. a huge chill through the market because people are thinking, yeah. "Okay, Coinbase I think the CEO stock." CEO said they were protected. Some he said they weren't, but he said they said it in the disclosure. But then he was trying to walk say, it back, walk it back a little bit. Which was I mean, this is a company that went public at three hundred, went to four hundred for a hot minute, and now what's it at fifty? I know. I mean, it is. So he's you an have, interesting character. He likes to have dinners of intelligent people all the time, which I do not go to. Uh, but now maybe he needs to focus on his company. Let me just show. Look at. Do you Bitcoin. get invited this to a lot of those things? I am not bragging. I get invited to that shit all the time. I don't. They don't want me there. They don't want me there. They want all people who agree with them. So and so CEO is having. I always hear from yeah. some PR hacks. So and so is having an intimate dinner with thought leaders, and we'd like you to be there. I'm like, why yeah. the fuck would I want to hang out with this guy? They only want to people who agree with them. Um, I'm not a very good dinner guest in that regard. So interestingly, look, all time it's up eight thousand percent Bitcoin from the from way way back. All right, so it, it, it's high. Its high was in November at, at sixty one, almost sixty two thousand dollars a share. Um, it did have a high also, and that was in November. And then it also had a high in the springtime of last year in the fifty uh, high fifties and cl- low sixties. Then it dropped to thirty four in mm-hmm. uh, July, and then it went up again to 60. Now it's down at 20, 28,000, which is really crazy, which is a really, it's down 20% in the past five days, which is nuts. This is, it just, you have to recognize, as Scott said, this is just speculative, all speculative, and has no, there's no reason it goes up or down. It's just that people buy it, I guess, right, correct? Correct? Well, I mean. there's, there's parts of the market that have really mm-hmm. been harmful, and that is, um, tether, which was supposed to be pegged to the dollar and was especially mm-hmm. attractive to people in, I don't know you call them, volatile or emerging markets where the currencies were volatile. They thought, okay, if I transition my money into tether, I, it's dollar denominated, so it's safer. That is no longer, that has totally split from the dollar. So people who thought they were going into an asset pegged to the dollar found out, found out they weren't. This is uh, and no one, we said this a couple of weeks ago, no one is being spared here. Last week yeah. or in yeah, the last few days, the generals have taken out and been shot. And that is Apple and Microsoft are now mm-hmm. dropping pretty Airbnb, pretty. which had great earnings, for example. Well, that's, uh, and I've said this, it's my biggest holding. It's down 40%. And there, yeah. if you had read their earnings, you would have gone, oh my God, the stock must be skyrocketing. Market yeah, and they dynamics. just introduced a new upgrade to its uh, app, by the way, speaking of which, which is fantastic looking. Um, in any case, it's a, it, it looks like a reckoning, but you just never know because it did it before and then went straight back up uh, in, in last year. So we'll see. Uh, it had a real low in July and then went up, back up again in November. Um, and people say, well, always say, well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable saying your emotions are, are your enemy in a market like this. And great investors typically don't have stock picking acumen. What they have is great temperament. And that is, if you're diversified and you didn't over leverage and you didn't over margin, you just don't panic sell and you don't let your emotions take over. Your emotions are your enemy here. Mm-hmm. And um, just recognize that, you know, typically you make money by selling stocks uh, when the optimism is frothy and you and, and you make money by holding on to them when there's a panic like this. So I would just be careful right now. Obviously, people have to do what they, what they, they think is right and, con- and consort with their financial advisor based on their situation. But panic selling, be very careful about your emotions uh, because typically speaking, like right now, the sentiment is so negative. And what I have found in the markets yeah. is when the sentiment is this negative, the market's about to rip up. 
So you just don't know. You just don't know. Look at the numbers last year. It was way down in in this range. It was way up, then way down, and then it went way up again. So I would hold on to it. And when it goes way up again, maybe sell a little bit and take some gains, um, even if it goes up even further. Okay, let's get to our first big story. Peter Thiel thinks BlackRock is too woke and he's ready to do something about it. Thiel and fellow billionaire uh, Bill Ackman, a very well-known hedge fund guy, are pouring money into a new fund manager that would urge uh, companies to avoid taking political stand that's in opposition to supposed activism by BlackRock and other funds like Vanguard and State Street. Together, these three firms manage $20 trillion in assets. That is a lot of money. BlackRock, uh, Larry Fink has chalked up stakeholder capitalism in recent years, of course. The money in here is very small. It's $20 million. It's probably out of the couch change of these two billionaires. But, uh, you know, are these investment phones actually woke or is Peter Thiel just mad that they talk about being woke? And also, this is his brand, I guess. Um, they have taken progressive steps at BlackRock, removed firearms manufacturers from some of its ESG funds, which makes sense, talked about climate sustainability and social good in investing, and exited some investments along those lines. But BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard are still top investors in energy banking, weapons manufacturing, not exactly progressive. And The Guardian even called Larry Fink one of its dirty dozen climate villains because BlackRock's funds profit off of deforestation. So what, what do you think of this? Um, this is a new fund called Strive. Is it going to make money or is it just for another one of his branding moments for Peter Thiel? This is no different than Elon Musk, you know, putting out this bold statement that the Chinese like to work and Americans are lazy, basically, is what he said. He has such a pathological need to be in the news. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about a $20 million fund, which Mm -hmm. is meaningless, that's Mm -hmm. literally meaningless, and you have guys saying, let me get this, aren't you supposed to be the free speech weirdos? BlackRock having a political position and advocating for certain political viewpoints or certain approaches to climate change, isn't that free speech? Isn't this a private company, Peter? Aren't you the big private property? I mean, this is just so fucking hypocritical. And A, it's meaningless. $20 million. I mean, this is literally- It's meaningless, uh, yeah. It's meaningless. It feels like a desperate yell. Why is Bill Ackman here? What is Ackman doing here? I agree. $20 million? You get them on a phone, they all go on and on about this So what are they going to do? They're going to like, as a a means of unlocking shareholder value, we want you to- uh, We want you to- not make any statements or we want you to be conservative? Because they're not saying be apolitical. What they're really Mm -hmm. saying is don't be woke. Mm -hmm. And Larry Fink has said as an investment strategy, we think that people need to embrace climate change. And then, so are they they calling their buddies or are they calling the activists who took a stake in Chevron and said you need to – you need to, or was it Exxon? You need to transition to renewables faster. Are they critical of them as well? This, mm-hmm. none of this makes any fucking sense, Kara. Yeah. And none of yeah. them. It, it's interesting. It feels like I uh, just me, want to be in the just, headlines. The, yeah, exa- this is this is called Strive Asset Management. It's being founded. It was founded by pharmaceutical investor Vivek Ramaswamy, who's very famous. He wrote the book Woke Inc., which is his branding thing. He's going to base it in Ohio, where he's from, and he said they're going to do uh, focus on excellence over politics. Americans want. Quote, iconic American brands like Disney, Coca-Cola, and Exxon and U.S. tech giants like Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, and Google deliver high-quality products, improve our lives, not controversial political ideas that divide us. This is horseshit. I'm sorry, Vivek. It's just horseshit. They are excellent companies. And so um, they can Are they going after Hobby Lobby? 
no, for, yeah, for right, true. not supporting. Yeah. Are they are they are they saying to Chick Fil A you shouldn't make statements yeah, around no, homosexuality? So. In they, any case, they they always so. seem to be want to be encourage companies to be apolitical when they happen to be political on the progressive side. Yeah. They're not taking active stakes in companies that are very conservative and saying you should be apolitical. Yeah. This is, hey, we want to pretend we're advocating for you being apolitical, but this is nothing but a thinly veiled way of saying we want yeah. you to be uh, right. We want you to be. We want you to have more conservative libertarian views. Yeah, interesting. Uh, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, who cracks me up, who does the stakeholder capitalism, just wasn't having any of it in his letter to CEOs that he published earlier this year. He argued that consent is not about politics or woke. It is capitalism driven by mutually beneficial relations. You and the employees, customers, suppliers, communities, your company relies on to prosper. This is the power of capitalism. Uh, they said that businesses shouldn't cave to political pressure by any activist to hijack your brand to advance their own agendas. This is so strange. I, I, I don't. It's not strange well, for Teal or uh, Ramaswamy, but it is strange for Bill Ackman, honestly. Well, I, I could. I mean, there's an argument to say, like, if you're to say, uh, if an organization is flailing and it's spending more time doing all hands to talk about political issues, I do think there's some merit to the notion that uh, CEOs were posing for the cameras and pretending to be really woke. And then when their employees believed them and started uh, saying, we want the music to match the words, and they're like, oh, just mm -hmm. kidding. We're really not interested. I think they deserve yeah. some scrutiny. And I do think there's something to the fact that do not bring your full self, specifically your politics to work. It's a platform for building economic security. Yeah. I get that. I buy it. But mm -hmm. the notion, by the way, whatever BlackRock has been doing, Woke, They've been doing a good conservative. <laughs> Guess what? They're fucking yeah. killing it. Yeah. They're yeah. killing it. Yeah. So this notion that somehow there's a problem at BlackRock, it's like yeah. whatever BlackRock well, is doing. You know, doing, that's what you do. You attack the big dog when you have a tiny, tiny little yappy dog This like is this going to be a gnat hitting a windshield on a Mack yeah. truck called yeah. BlackRock. These guys are excellent operators. Yeah. If you, I got to tell you, Peter, Bill, if you really mean it, put some actual money in here. Like I'd be 20 more interested. Million? Twenty million. Let's say they're. Ackman bought. I think Ackman bought an eighty million dollar condo. Yeah, yeah. He just got approval for his glass walls that cost like twenty million bucks or something. At least you, you know he wants to put these special glass walls in. Do you know about this? Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, this is this is a must. Like I need to be in the headlines for some reason. This is nonsense. I'm just let's call it nonsense. This is bullshit nonsense. It's so ridiculous. I was with someone yeah. for lunch today, someone who knows all these guys. Because these guys, when they get on their calls with each other, all complain about cancel culture and this kind of stuff. And he's always like, this is such horse shit. I like, can't even sit listening to it. It's such horse shit. They're just like, just anyway, horse shit is how I'm going to put it. We've had it. We're on Team Larry. If Larry calls us for an intimate dinner, we're in. That is right. It's like, you know, the people that gave us a hard time about leaving Florida. You know what? We're capitalists. We want to take our money and give it to Gavin Newsom or Jared Polis. It's our business. Get out of our business, you social, you bunch of the communists in Florida. They want it, the con they're the communists in Florida. I can't get over it. We got press for that. Do you see they brought it up in the Bloomberg conference? They brought it up. Yeah, they brought it up again. It's ridiculous. Guess what? We're capitalists. I think that's Kara posturing a little bit. No, I got to be honest. It's not. I, I don't want to give my money. I don't want to fucking give my money. That's it. That's, I'm a capitalist. Hi, LGBTQ community. I'm a leader. Je suis, I'm a leader. Uh, je suis a capitalist. And guess uh, what? Hey, it's I'm, my I'm, money. I'm with you, sister. I'm not sure boycotts works, but I want to be supportive uh, whatever. of Whatever. I just don't want to be there. I don't want to give them my money. It's like, I don't like, I, you know, my kids go to Chick-fil-A. I don't care. They can Sweetheart, make their choices. For better or for worse, this is a marriage. I'm, I'm doing this, it. Pretty soon, we're just going to be doing <laughs> events in Vermont and in... <laughs> and in San Francisco. No. 
There's plenty Anyways. of states to choose from. There's lots oh, of There's getting to- fewer. There's oh, getting stop fewer. It. We're not ever going to do something in Mississippi. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we're headed to Louisiana. Maybe New Orleans. That's a disappointment was happening there. Anyway, we're not going there anyway. It's New too Orleans? sweaty. Yeah, it's too sweaty. New Orleans is wonderful. It's like it is, natural grit. That state is like pulling all the stops around abortion. Anyway. We will right. not fly over the state. We are capitalists. <laughs> no, but we're capitalists. They're communists. Yeah, no, they want to oh, government overreach. It. That's what I say. I sound like a Trump Hold person. on, just one quick yeah, note. What? Did you see Disney's earnings? Disney's killing it. Killing yeah. it. Killing it. Bob, yeah. I'll tell you, no man has ever been happier about a good earnings than Bob Yeah, Chapek. Yeah, yeah. They're, that's right. They added a bunch of people, unlike Netflix, they added a bunch of people to Disney Plus, and their theme parks are absolutely killing it. I can't tell you, living in Florida, the roads have never been more packed. Tourism hit an all-time high last year, and this year is going to blow through it. And Disney Disney is firing on all 12,000 cylinders right now. I literally lost my mind in traffic. Everything was packed at the wharf, and people are going out. And good for Disney, and Florida can suck it. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we Wait, come back, in San we'll- Francisco? You what? No, I'm not in San Francisco. The DC. wharf? Where's the wharf? It's called the wharf. Oh, DC has cool a wharf. T- yeah, I'll take you down there. It's great. You, it's you wonderful. You always say that. Another you, you date you will here. not deliver on. You never come on. here. You never show up just like the other night. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about supply problems. I was with Tesla. Lamar. <laughs> okay. My <laughs> footlong sub. Question about TikTok. Scott, we're back with our second big story. I don't want to hear another word about Lamar. I don't want to hear your, your total ghosting of me. Everyone has to have their hobbies. Okay. All right. Okay. Tesla's hitting the brakes on his Shanghai factory, important factory. Production came to a halt this week as the car maker deals with supply chain issues in China. Shanghai is now in the sixth week of a COVID shutdown. Elon has said this will pass essentially in April. Tesla employees have been sleeping and eating in the factory as part of a closed loop system to combat COVID, but that's not all. Tesla also recalled nearly 130,000 vehicles this week due to touchscreen issues caused by overheating of the CPU. Not uncommon. This has happened a lot, but nonetheless, this China thing is a big bump for them. And they only have a, fa- a handful of factories that do vehicle assembly. Uh, the German factory is still ramping up. These are This is what happens when you have a, a product that's so complex. Um, you're going to be run into these kind of things. Um, so the Tesla, uh, Tesla relationship with uh, China is very important. And obviously, the increasing tensions between uh, China and the U.S. and certain politicians is certainly coming on. Um, so, you know, he's saying it's got, it's just a bump. Others are like, you're really in it with China a lot. I don't know. Um, so, and it's relatedly that the shares of Tesla are down. They're down today again, 732. Well, they're going up and down, but for the past five days, it's gone down 16 per 17% over the month, 25%, six month, 28% year, 40%. Um, and since he announced Tesla, I guess that would be about him. Uh, Twitter, excuse me, uh, in the 20s, in the 20s. Anyway, um, one short seller predicts that Musk may seek to reprice his Twitter bid below $44 billion. Now the tech stocks are slumping. And tw- the only reason Twitter's not gone, gone down into what I called the, yesterday the, Maria, uh, the Mariana Trench, where other tech companies are, is because of this deal. Um, I was, oddly enough, Keith Raboy noted that's what he's going to do. He's going to walk away. Um, and pay the billion dollars, and then maybe come back when the stock is uh, is is higher. I guess that's one of the that's that might be his plan B. What do you think, Scott? The deal is off. I mean, it's just. And, and have you noticed in the last week, uh, mm-hmm. Elon's gone uh, surprisingly silent. silent about Twitter. Yeah, yes, 
I yeah. mean, he was tweeting every day. What if we yeah. had a blue, blue check? What if we did this? What? Also, I like chocolate milk. Yeah, he was very active. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's not talking about Twitter because here's the thing. Well, he did. He did say that Trump shouldn't have been permanently banned, like I said he would say. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. He did say that. That took a lot of it. Stock was, at about, stock was in the low 30s. He started mm -hmm. buying, didn't disclose that he was buying. Stock ran to yeah. 39, made the announcement. Stock went to 49. He's saying he's going to buy it at 54.50. Now, what would have happened had he not come in? What is the natural price, sort of, in the in absentia of this deal? What would where would Twitter be trading right now? In the twenties, thirties, twenties. Well, if you look at all its peers that are yeah. off between twenty and oh, fifty percent, you're looking at a you're looking at a stock that would mm -hmm. conservatively, generously, optimistically be in the twenties right now. So 20s, he's effectively. Yeah. Paying a hundred to hundred and fifty percent premium. By the yeah. way, his bank account is off twenty or thirty percent. This deal's yeah. off. This deal off. is off at this moment. He will come up with reasons, uh, something around woke or conservative, or he will tr try and reprice the deal. There's a specific performance clause in mm -hmm. these deals. He'll definitely have to pay the breakup fee, but sometimes they claim that they can force you to close. I don't see how you force anyone to close on a $45 billion check, but mm -hmm. I think as of now, as of mm -hmm. now, this deal is off. It makes absolutely no sense for Elon Musk. Can he and just sit and wait and then reprice or not? That's the correct question. For a billion dollars, mm -hmm. he has six months to kind of see what happens. To yeah. just, to just, but I think that at some point, that what will be obvious, the thing that might call or force his hand here, Kara, is mm -hmm. that if, if Tesla's stock keeps going down, mm -hmm. people will start to say, and Elon is going to have to margin more and more and sell more and more Tesla stock when the closing mm -hmm. happens. And yeah. if that becomes a real overhang that grows in ugliness over Tesla stock, he's going to need to say, you know what, just kidding, deal is off. I tried to renegotiate with the board based on recent market dynamics, and we could not come to an agreement. Yeah. Yeah, but Boy was saying that it, it would go to $15 billion and then he'll come in as the hero to buy it at that price. At uh, but price. I don't think the board will do that again. If he if he were to leave and then come back mm -hmm. and say, hey, I'm back, I think the board would have every right to say, sorry, boss, you have no credibility here. And there will be more buyers at that point. At $15 billion, tons of buyers. I, you this, and I should put the money together and buy it. But this, this stock right now, Twitter, the day he announces that, I mean, Twitter yeah. actually, I mean, it's it's an investment recommendation, which I don't like to make, but Twitter mm. puts right now are probably trading at a decent a decent number because if he announces he's out, this stock's at probably 20 or 25 bucks, not at 50, not at 49, waiting for a close at 54. As of today, unless things get, the market's dynamics shift dramatically from today, mm -hmm. this deal is off. This deal does not make sense for him. It makes sense for Twitter shareholders who are going to get yeah, sure a does. ridiculous number on a stock that would be trading at 20 or, you know, it might even be sub 20 right now. Look what's happened to Pinterest. Yeah. Look what's yeah. happened to Snap. Look what, you know, Meta's off 50% from its high. Yeah. And yep. Twitter hit its 50. This this deal, and I just it just really struck this me that it. he it's has- the only thing keeping it up, keeping the shares up, is the Elon deal. I think it's fascinating. And again, the tail wagging the dog here is Tesla stock. And if people start well, to- let me focus over there because it looks like it's going up and down and up and down. It looks like the shorts are starting to gather. He's always been plagued by shorts over at Tesla, uh, but they seem to be gathering. And yet, and then all his fans are gathering. And so it's kind of an interesting situation. Uh, but that stock is dropping. Um, 
quite substantively over the past five days, over the past month. Uh, and it's still not as, ha- it's it's still doing better than other stocks. It's only down 25% over the past month and 28% over the past six months compared to some others. So its fans are keeping it aloft. Let's say that, like the people who love that shares. The other thing that someone was noticing was that some of the some of the people he's brought in as investors are Qatar Qataris and others. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a Russian investor in there who mm-hmm. who was an early investor in Facebook. That's going to cause U.S. government scrutiny. Again, it'll delay the deal even further. So mm-hmm. delay it, push it out until next year now. So even though Elon acts like he's owning the place, he doesn't own the place. He doesn't own the place in any any way, and he's not even close to owning it yet. So that's you, that's another issue is pushing deal, it out because of these. He's going to have to get money from foreigners essentially, and this, that's this, going to cause. And, and, and a who look wants at the to thing. buy it at this price? They'd be like Elon. Mm-hmm. The company's worth twenty billion, not forty five. Yeah. Why would yeah. we? Invest in this, and I—I I said this initially. On the things he's yeah. not on his side hustles, he brings volatility. He doesn't bring mm-hmm. value. He's brought yeah. massive volatility to Twitter. He'll bring disruption, distraction, um, tumult, but yeah. and a lot of PR for him, which he sees is worth a billion dollars. It's going to be terrible for Twitter. Terrible yeah. for Twitter. It's a huge distraction. Yeah. Like, what do they work yeah. on? What do they? Uh, anyways, I don't, I don't, and also with this Shanghai factory, even if it's temporary, and I, I would tend to agree with him that it's temporary. Um, these things happen, and China will get it back together, and as with all these things. But he's got to focus on his car company, honestly. And his someone's going to say, "Hey, boss, without the golden goose, you don't get to have adventures and whatever the fuck your your synapse, yeah. your neurons fire that night." The thing, I have a group of, and it's, and it's related to China and the thing that struck me, I have a group of people or friends mm-hmm. I call on a regular basis. I'm like, just what are you seeing out there? And one of my friends is this really impressive businessman, a guy named Bobby Julian, who started Coulter Homes. A, he's a developer uh, and he's been hugely successful, very insightful. And I mm-hmm. call him, I'm like, what are you seeing out there? And I spoke to him this morning and he said, the things that was really shocked everybody Mm-hmm. is the supply chain issues have gotten worse. Everyone thought that because prices were yeah. skyrocketing, it would create incentive to be thoughtful, no, agile. Been. Go to the store. He said, it used to be like we couldn't get garage doors or for refrigerators. There was always something you couldn't get. He said, now we can't get like 35 different things to build a house. He said, housing yeah. prices have never been stronger. Demand's never been stronger. We need 1.4 mm-hmm. million new houses. We're only going to be able to build 900,000. But he said, you know, the little... Winch that connects, you know, the foundation to something, or or the the latch on a window. He's like, you find. He said, you're really finding out where all this stuff comes from. You're like, oh, you find out that this plate comes from Turkey and it's been shut mm-hmm. down. Supply chain issues. Are, it's interesting. Are getting worse. Listen, someone hit our car the other day, and it's going to take eight weeks to fix it. It's crazy. Like if that. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, we've had to rent a car, everything else. And so, yeah, it's everything, everything, everything. Um, but let me just say, he also net, noted that Trump should be back on. And what was really interesting, and I'm going to note this because I like Jack Dorsey, but what he's been doing lately around his responsibility is really reprehensible as far Same as I'm more. I don't know what you're talking about. I like Jack Dorsey. I like, I thought he was thoughtful. Um, he said that banning, uh, he gave, put a tweet out, he, you know, obviously Vigigati has been attacked uh, for this decision to ban Donald Trump and others. Dorsey called the ban a business decision and took responsibility for the move, but then he had an asterisk. So the asterisk CEO, it's like saying the buck stops here. 
asterisk. Um, he wrote on Twitter, every decision was made was ultimately my responsibility, asterisk. It's also crazy and wrong that individuals or companies bear this responsibility. Well, Jack, don't build it then. I don't know what to say. It was a crazy tweet. It was like, I take responsibility, except that kind of thing. And so I thought that was irresponsible on his part. Um, you know, Trump is going to have to stay on Trump Truth Social for now. Um, and we'll see where that goes. I think that was just allowed. I, this is something we said he would do anyway. So um, I just was really disappointed in Jack Dorsey behavior. Because again, I find him to be thoughtful. I've always had a pretty good relationship with him. But I don't know what's going on here. He should just take responsibility, and and that's enough. That's my feeling. I Thank don't know. You. Hushed tones and beards and silent retreats don't mean you're thoughtful. <laughs> they, like, he has been. In the, I haven't seen him in a while, but he has been, compared to a lot of people, thoughtful. I will say okay, that. Okay. He has thoughtfully created a mendacious company that has made our <laughs> discourse more coarse and has threatened people he should take all over the world. For his creation. And so he goes on silent retreats as there are coups in that country that are being organized on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, I'm okay. aware. I'm aware. He's thoughtfully of... a mendacious fuck that isn't okay. taking responsibility <laughs> in any for case, the shit latest... show that was Twitter. All right. I mean, you want it's to know his... something? You know it's not going to age his... well? You know what is what? not going to age well? What? His tenure at Twitter. Because uh, my sense maybe. is, like Sheryl Sandberg, he's incredibly charismatic and likable. And when likable Jack is no longer around the office with his cool, quirky beard and nose rings, they're going to go, you know what? We wouldn't be in this shitty position had we performed at a fraction, at a fraction of the excellence of every other tech company when the sun was shining for the last seven years. Yeah. Twitter was the only tech company that went sideways for seven years. They did. Let me just say this whole debacle will hurt only Twitter. That's all I got to say. Anyway, let's pivot to a listener question. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You've got mail. Hi, Kara and Scott. My name is Ryan from Austin, Texas, and I have a question for you about media coverage of TikTok. Uh, My perception is that we know a lot and we talk a lot about the power players and the strategies of Meta, Google, Apple, Twitter, Snap, and Tesla, but it doesn't seem like we talk the same way about TikTok. I couldn't name a single executive there. I don't understand its new structure with ByteDance or with Oracle, and the whole operation is a real mystery to me. So I'm curious, given the platform's popularity, why don't we seem to talk as much about TikTok's corporate happenings or the executives who run the platform? Thanks. Gosh, Ryan, I don't know if you've been following coverage, but there's been a ton of talk about TikTok's ownership and how it works, um, especially when Donald Trump was attacking it, the CEO we've had on uh, we've had on our show, uh, Vanessa Pappas. Um, we've talked about the possibility of it going public and moving out of China's um, control, although that seems problematic. Um, Oracle was involved, but is not now involved yet. Um, it could be involved again. Same thing with Microsoft. So I think there's been a lot of talk about its growth and the fears around the China ownership. But I don't know about you, Scott. What do you think? I just think Ryan has a point. I think okay. if, uh, I think TikTok has been brilliant. And that is, they've said, let's just stay out of the news. We don't want stars. We don't want megalomaniacs posing for the cameras. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's let the press cover that Facebook was circulating misinformation around us. And let's just continue to perform. Because I think the story, and you don't know what happened. I think this business story that would be splashed across every page right now and be bringing a ton of attention to TikTok, both positively and negatively, is that if TikTok was a public stock right now, I think it would be obvious that what Netflix did to Hollywood, TikTok mm-hmm. is doing to Netflix. And I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if TikTok is up. If you saw their most recent quarter. Yeah, I bet. 
They added the population, and I said this in the last podcast, but it bears, it bears repeating. They added the population of Japan and the United Kingdom, and they have zero content budget. This is, this is, yep. and, and it's just so interesting. They're now worth $350 billion in the private markets. I think if they were public, they'd be much more than that. Mm-hmm. I think the stock would be up right now, and everyone would be talking about the juggernaut that is uh, TikTok. But instead, they're like, we want to stay out of the news because it can go to bad places right now, and our numbers are going to speak for themselves. I think TikTok mm-hmm. is the most, actually, I would argue TikTok is the most underreported business story outside of what's happening on a macro level. I think this thing, I spoke to a friend of ours uh, Kara, who's who's interviewing um, the 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 folks who run Netflix, and the bottom line is, uh, we are raising a generation of youth that can't sit through a fifty eight minute episode of Bridgerton. They've been trained that they just can't; they're not capable of it. And so, what do they do? They lie on their sides and they watch this ultimate streaming network that, by the way, is free to the eighty mm-hmm. percent of the global population that can't afford twelve bucks a month. Yeah, called TikTok. And it's got a zero content budget. So I, I I kind of with Ryan, I think TikTok is is arguably the most underreported story in the world. And he's right. Everybody knows who the CEO of Tesla and Microsoft and Netflix is. Nobody knows who the CEO of TikTok because is. Because it's a division of it's a, a, a yes, of course, it's a China, ultimately it's a Chinese CEO. And then the US CEO is a former Google executive uh, who's yeah. been there. And they had they who had we like we, we had her on. Yeah, I Vanessa. She was an impressive um, and woman. they used to have two. One of the executives from Disney was there when they thought it was going to go public, former Disney executive. But we'll see what happens there. I think eventually they'll go public and try to separate themselves from China. Uh, I think when the pressure will return, uh, there'll be probably some relationship with Oracle or Microsoft or something like that, eventually. Um, but here's the deal with TikTok. Scott is 100% right. It is entertainment. It has become... We, I had an interesting uh, podcast today with Ben Smith and Matt Bellany, and we all agreed TikTok was the entertainment future. Um, I literally spent an hour and a half on TikTok the other day. It's on a my K-hole. It's bit. a digital K-hole. I, I, I used to watch just air fryer content. Now, uh, you know, ASMR, this is that with the whispering. They yep. have other ASMR stuff like cleaning, and also uh, cutting of sand, the noise of sand, you know, that that magic sand. I literally watched it. It was so pleasing. And I I, I felt good afterwards. I felt relaxed. It was like meditative because I was watching people clean, not clean refrigerators, arrange food in refrigerators. Now, I know it sounds weird. I happen to be a very neat person. And you can find whatever you like there, which is amazing. And and it's beautifully curated. Um, It's weird. It's no question it's weird, but I I had a choice of watching a wonderful show called Heartstoppers or doing this. And the lift was so much lighter on TikTok that I was tired and I watched it for an hour and it was pleasing. I have seen every species of animal Mm -hmm. innocently saunter up to a watering hole. Yeah. And and settle in and have a little drink of water and then be ripped <laughs> apart by a crocodile that lurches out of oh, the yeah. water. <laughs> I can't stop watching crocodiles oh, yeah. ruin crocodiles. animals' day as they go to get a light refreshment from the watering hole. <laughs> and I can't look away. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a warthog. Oh, my God, it's a deer. I'm watching magic sand being sliced and the noise, a noise. And you like... You never did. Gazelle's you see my TV show where I did angry ASMR? Or no, ASMR? it wasn't angry. It's, I, I, ASMR is old old news on TikTok. I know, but I love it. I, I didn't watch that one. Sorry, I will watch it. Is it there? You need to start investing in this relationship. I'm telling you, what Netflix did to Hollywood, TikTok is doing to Netflix. Yeah, 
It's interesting. It's an interesting time. Anyway, we think you're right. TikTok deserves even more attention, uh, Ryan. If you've got a question of your own you'd like answered, send it our way. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit a question or uh, for the show or call 855-51-PIVOT. Scott, one more quick break on this longest show. We'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, we got it in quick. Wins and fails. You go first. I don't really have a fail other than to say that I've been really bummed out and thinking too much about the markets. And I kind of step back and think, okay, I'm still economically secure. My kids still mm-hmm. want me to take them to school. You know, mm-hmm. I hope that all, I hope people out there, it's so easy to have an emotional reaction to the scorecard you get every day. And the scorecard is really ugly. But most of us, really, the profound stuff in our life hasn't changed a hell of a lot. And so that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to focus on. That's more advice than it is a fail. My win is this wonderful show uh, called Slow Horses, which is a spy mm-hmm. thriller based on the 2010 novel uh, by Mick Herron. And it's on Apple TV+. Plus. Gary Oldham is fantastic. Yep. He's uh, crotchety, uh, right? Crotchety. Uh, what's his name? Um Price, Jonathan Price, who I think is a fantastic actor, is in one of my him. favorite films, Brazil, is in it. And also Kristen Scott Thomas, who is in my favorite movie of all time. And I want to see how mm-hmm. well you know the dog. What's my favorite movie of all time that Kristen Scott Thomas was in, Kara? It's not Four Weddings and a Funeral, is it? She's in that Really? Movie? You think I'd like <laughs> something that optimistic and happy? Uh, movies like that oh, give me a Oh, the one where the, 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 it crashes into the with Rafe Fiennes, that one? You know, there's hope for us. Maybe okay. you do love me. The English okay. Patient, my yeah, favorite English. movie of all time. A yeah, wonderful film. Anyways, one. this is but a do you like Julie? Who's in that? Julie? Julia Binoche. Binoche. Binoche Ooh, she's that. a saucy little number. You she's fantastic. She's, she's in Call, Call, Call My Agent. She's and by the way, you said you you thought Johnny Depp was overrated. Life Like mm-hmm. Chocolate or Life for Chocolate. She's yes, in a wonderful chocolate. movie. Yep, one of yep, the most yep. beautiful women ever. Yep. Also yep. a really, yep. a really uh, competent actress. Yep. Um, I should have reversed those two things. Anyways, uh, uh, Slow Horses is my win. It's on Apple TV Plus. It is wonderful. Gary Oldham will go down. I think is oh, uh, he's terrific. Is one of the g- better actors of our generation. And there's this uh, real this guy who's going to be, I think, a leading man, Jack Loudon. I think he mm-hmm. could be kind of like the next Bond, if you will. I think he has such great cool. presence. Right. And okay, that's uh, anyways, a win. It's, What's it's, your fail? And it, I said my fail. Uh, I don't. Uh, there's enough fail out there for all of this. I just hope that people are have some perspective around what's important. Uh, I think a fail is this. I think we got to focus back on Ukraine uh, today. The Soviet Union, uh, the yep. deputy chairman yep. of Russia's Security Council, said NATO risks quote full fledged nuclear war if it continues sending weapons to Ukraine, training its troops, and conducting military exercises. Uh, this rhetoric is crazy, including around Finland joining NATO. Um, mm-hmm. They're backed into a corner. Well, I think it's Julia Ioffe wrote this piece about uh, the Putin's origins of growing up in a very poor part of, uh, I think, St. Petersburg. And he used to play in these things called divorce, um, which are these teeny pieces of grass that there's all kinds of man playing going on, the young boy playing. And one of the things is a story about him backing a rat into a corner. Um, and then the rat turned around after being backed into the corner, turned on and attacked him and chased him. And this is what it feels like right now. These are a bunch of rats who are now trying, you know, really been backed into corners. So Biden's been talking about it like that. Like, we've got to be careful uh, with this guy because he's, 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 his natural instinct is to attack when he's backed into a corner. Uh, and I know we shouldn't 
it's just words like this from a country talking about um, nuclear war is really disturbing. Um, well, was it one of the first responsible? So. One of the first sort of lessons in Sun Tzu's The Art of War, which every mm -hmm. high schooler reads and thinks they understand war right. and conflict and strategy. Mm -hmm. But one of it is unless you can unless you're going to annihilate your enemy, you always want to give mm -hmm. them uh, uh, you always want to give them an out. And yeah. what I thought was most interesting is when they decided not to sanction Putin's girlfriend. And they, oh, they basically do. the word was, why didn't you do that? I said, well, we want them to still have things to lose. We want them to know a, oh. the most dangerous, a very dangerous person is someone who gets to the point where they think they have nothing to lose. Yeah. And they don't want to put Putin in that uh, that position. But I think I appreciate you bringing that up. If you want to mm -hmm. talk about the most underreported story relative to its potential uh, impact on the world, that's absolutely it. 100%. This, this, this worry about Finland joining NATO, which Europe is pushing through with, um, and Finland wants to do, um, it's it's very serious. I just did a really good interview with Clarissa Ward, who is the uh, um, the international correspondent for CNN, and she's done amazing work in Ukraine um, and probably will now have to go back. Uh, she was, I interviewed her from London. But I got to say, it's this is something we need to really pay attention to, what's happening. I know there's all kinds of things happening here in this country. Um, and then, and that's a, I don't know if that's a win or a fail. I'm not so sure it's either one. Um, and then, interestingly, the bull semen guy, I don't know if it's a win uh, because a very conservative person won, but the bull semen guy backed by Trump in Nebraska, who seemed to be ripping Nebraska apart, uh, did not win uh, the, mm -hmm. his bid uh, for— uh, But just to go for, back to the Russia, I've been to Russia a few times. I have some a couple of uh, friends who are immigrants, Russian immigrants. Mm -hmm. You'd think uh, really the problem here is Putin and the people around him because with a, a, a different leader and the natural resources they have and the landmass they have, they have an incredible appreciation mm -hmm. for science, an incredible appreciation for art, the greatest threat in modern history. We joined hands with them and and it's a mm -hmm. team beat back Hitler. It just it, – it doesn't make sense that we're not friends. I don't yes. understand. Yeah. So much of what they do is so in line, uh, is so simpatico with the West. It just feels like, why can't we be friends? You know what I mean? I did. I understand sphere of influence, and we should probably be more generous in making them feel secure around yeah. their borders. Why? But you would think that if They're you thugs. just looked, at, Putin's a thug and a murderer. Well, that, but that's my point. point. But yeah. the, if you look at the, if you look at the history of Russia, or at least some of the. It's just in many ways, it's in an, it's a very impressive and in some way, a lot of ways, more similar. We're more similar than we are to a lot of nations. I've just never understood why we wouldn't. Uh, why can't we be friends? Is is what I've never understood about about Russia. Because they're thugs and criminals. Because they're thugs and criminals. Not the population. No, of course not. But they keep voting for them. So I don't know what yeah, to say. They're a completely propagandized population that at this moment is irredeemable in terms of dealing with them. Uh, you know, they're not throwing them out. They're not, they, they're embracing him. I don't know what to say. I'm not an expert on Russia, but uh, from my small amount of knowledge, this is a criminal organization, this country. Um, so I'm not sure what to do with, with nuclear weapons, which is frightening. Anyway, yeah. on that note, on that happy note, happy we have a now. win. I don't have a win at all. Anyway, happy birthday, Amanda. That's my win. Um, okay, Scott, that's the show. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with more Pivot. Uh, why don't you read us out? Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Andertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Bros and Neil Silverio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business, the Subway app. <laughs>